Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, Head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR, episode 150A. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Good to be with you guys today. Mm. As I... Speak to you from beautiful Sudbury, Ontario, after a nice couple days in Toronto at some Jays games. I wanted to check out the renovations and uh, to the Rogers Center, which were quite impressive. I got to be honest, man, what a vibe. That's a party vibe. It's basically one whole side of the stadium is big beer tent if you want it to be but uh you know family inclusive uh, just a lot of great vantage points like you know nice food some tables if you want to have some beers and sit uh you know looking over on the patio it's a great great uh, view of the ball game and there's a few different places to do that. We were on the rooftop patio most of the time, which is awesome because it it brings a big-time vibe. I mean, the rooftop patio is up in the 500s. Now, first of all, I love going to games, any major league game, but Jays games, I often sit up in the 500s voluntarily. I love it up there. I, I'm saying that because, fuck, I had a lot of messages. People going, man, what the fuck? They don't hook you up with better tickets than that. First of all, I didn't get hooked up with tickets. I just go buy them, and it's $23 to sit up in the 500s and to go to all those places. I mean, the first game, we didn't even barely – I don't even think we went to our seats. I went for a little bit, but I went with Max Abufard, who plays J.J. Frankie J.J. And, uh, we, yeah, like we didn't go there together. We were in the rooftop patio the whole time. But anyway, I, I love it up there. It's like your own little world. It's easier in and out of access to the bar, to food, to bathrooms. And uh, you see everything happening. And in Toronto, it's great because you get that view of the CN Tower. And there's often people hanging off the side of it doing that skywalk or whatever it is. I mean, not that I want to be looking at it all the time, but there's just a lot going on. 
And I think the Jays did a great job from day one with their upper, with that upper section, the 500s. Um, and yeah, I've always enjoyed it. So honestly, I could pay the same amount uh, and sit anywhere, and I would often go up there. I mean, of course, I like to go down once in a while and see the pitch for that reason, to see the actual pitch and, you know, what the batters are seeing, get a taste for it. But really, I could totally do without it. A lot of chaos going on down close to the action. Now, hockey's different. Closer, the better. I don't mind sitting up in the – in most games I've gone to, I sit up top because it makes the most sense for a lot of reasons. But for some reason, yeah, for some reason, I don't like when I can barely see the puck. Now, can I see the baseball in the 500s? Not really. For some reason, I also don't like in baseball. If I'm up there, I often look out and I'm, if I really, really want to see what's going on at the plate, I just watch the big screen. Can't think of any. I don't do that at basketball. I don't, haven't seen many football games. I wish I saw more. I saw one in Cincinnati. I go to a lot of baseball games. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Something about the sport. Just being there is calming. Um, if you want it to be, it's nice and relaxing. Go up and sit down. And beer, coffee, sandwich, hot dog. Pick your poison. And For me, it's not always beer either. I like taking a gummy or two. And going and just sitting back and taking it in, you know. Anyway, it was a good weekend. So, and I figured, you know, for these episodes, I wanted to come out with something, you know, or, or come up with some sort of plan. Maybe five things that I observed from the week. And I will get to that. Or or like, you know, I don't know, five pieces of trivia. Or just five things I like, at least to talk about that don't have to be relevant. I'm sure, like I've said before, everybody listening to this. I mean, you're probably not tuning in to get the best playoff coverage and predictions, right? Who do I think is going to win the cup? Oh, God. Uh, I think, I do think, let me see, loose prediction? Actually, you know what? I don't want to get ahead of myself. That'll be talking point number two. I often do that. You know, I get way ahead of myself and I ramble. So let's work on that, Terry. Okay. So, anyway, I wanted more of a, of a plan. And then I thought about it. And then when I had McDeon last week, which got a great response, and we had no plan. We just started talking. I wanted to talk about movies a little bit and pick his brain and a little bit about hockey, and that's what we did. I like the last part of the interview better than the first part. I don't normally re-listen, but I knew that that was a little off-cuff because he's in the room with me last week, which actually worked. But I was curious because of the volume levels and stuff, so I re-listened. And uh, like I said, I never usually really listen. And I kind of like that idea of just talking about random stuff, you know. So I thought about it. And McD, you guys let me know. My first, my, The first thing I want to talk about this week, so we'll say five talking points a week for my solo um, episodes, which would be A, which comes out on Tuesday or Wednesday, usually every week. I'm recording this on Monday. Okay. Um. So, for my first point this week, I have a question to you guys. Answer me on Twitter. I prefer that. Um, and it doesn't have to be a direct message on Twitter. Just put it out there. Other people can see it. I don't use Twitter enough. And I, get, I, I talked about it at the end of last week. I get so many messages through the social media platforms. It's really hard to get to all of them, and I often miss stuff. But if you post it and, and tag me on Twitter, I, I don't think I'll miss that just because it's the least route that I use right now. So my Twitter is dry as a bone, man. And I think that would be a good place to start maybe building up some ideas, some communication, interaction with fans maybe. Um, so anyway, if the point being, I was thinking about once a month doing a podcast with McD, Ryan McDonald from last week. Um, and maybe, I don't know, I don't know what to call it. 
like I, again, not this, not this, but Tian McDee's super fantastic top ten trivia happy hour. Okay, whereas he where where he comes up with five statements, facts, questions, whatever that might be interesting, and I come up with five, and I bounce them off him. He bounces them off me. Last week, I think we talked about movies, and I asked him what's the first movie that he remember. What's his favorite movie going back the furthest, right? And that got because I knew I was going to talk about Horse in Motion, um, The Great Train Robbery, and Modern Times. So I can ask him that question. He'll bounce back to me, and then I'll have some sort of facts that you guys, the listeners, might be interested in. So I was thinking of that. And I just can't. Th- now, A, do you think that's a terrible idea? Maybe me and McD, um, you didn't think there was a vibe. And I'm not picking McD because I think he's the only person that I'd have a good vibe with. I think Ken Reed would be a, a great pick. I think Tran Samwith. Oh, God, I could go on and on. I mean, a lot of people that I've had on my show. But I do get along with McD, and I spend a lot of time with him, especially here when we're doing this in Sudbury. And, you know want to be optimistic about the show I, I i hope it keeps going and i talked to mcd a lot anyway we uh we applied for amazing race earlier this year um so you know i was like and we often talk on the phone or through text about these exact things so i was like mcd we should almost just press record do a podcast well, i mean one a month anybody can get that in i'm busy but i mean come on and, and we do that do we do it anyway we end up talking about playoffs or movies for the most, or, or hockey or sports and movies. But often, like, you know, specific Shorzy stuff or just trivia in general, we were going to go on a trip, um, you know, talking about travel. So anyway, that's my idea to uh, to come up with, uh, you know, to do that with him. Five, we both bounce five things off each other all the while, maybe laced with trivia. And uh, I don't want to veer too far off hockey. We'll talk about hockey always. I want to keep the listeners that I do have because of that. Uh, but, you know, things, and I won't, I won't be too specific. Um, I think everybody likes TV and movies, right? So maybe we'll talk about that a lot more than, say, the blood diamond industry in South Africa. I mean, I mean, you know, I... I probably won't delve into politics or geography too much unless it's something we can all relate to, okay? When I say we, I mean as like hockey fans, movie fans, TV shows, music, I suppose pop culture and hockey. That's kind of, which is really just an extension of what I'm already doing. Subconsciously, I come out and that's what I usually talk about anyway. Anyway, so... If you think that'd be a good idea, maybe, uh, and not only that, if you have an idea for a name, am I going to pay, pay for it? No, <laughs> but I'll mention you at the beginning of the podcast, I suppose. What can I do if it's a great name? Right now, all I can think of is T and McD. It won't be that TR and McD or I couldn't do Hitch and Michaels. I don't know. TR and McD bring you the monthly top 10 or trivia 10 super fantastic happy hour. I don't know, something stupid like that works or something that rolls off the tongue. Um, anyway, I'm not going to sit here and fucking brainstorm and waste your time, but you know what I'm saying? So once a month, you think that's a good idea, me and McD, where we shoot the shit? And second, uh, what do you think the name of the show could be? And keep in mind, I don't think we can be, say, like Michaels and Ted Hitchcock bring you the Shorzy monthly podcast because, we, you know, just for, we'd have to pay for anything that's related to Shorzy and it would be idiotic to do that, I think. Uh, not Not that, I mean, from our perspective, when we can just put one out, I get myself fired now. It wouldn't be idiotic to associate with Shorzy, no. But uh, which we already are. Anybody in the know knows that. But for obvious reasons, right? I mean, I can't use their uh, property uh, for my own advantage without paying for it. 
So keep in mind there, it has to be uh, my name or his name, some take on Terry, TRT, and McD, Michaels, or no, uh, Ryan McDonald, whatever it would be, or something that relates to both of us. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I said I wouldn't brainstorm, and I'm doing that. Anyway, on to number two. What would that be? I guess, okay, so you ask me, and I want to be real loose with this because everybody got a fucking, everybody has an opinion in the sports world. And uh, it's, I'm doing a hockey pool and man, it's uh, it's a weird year for it because a lot of people are picking the same teams. Uh, I know it happens a lot, but um, I, ju- I just think there might be a lot of surprises this year for more reasons than one. And the biggest reasons being, like I said, I mean, I can count six of the top eight teams on the east side that made big time moves. And if you make a big time move, you're usually going for it, right? If you make a big time move, you're probably thinking that you can win the cup. So that's almost half the teams on the east um, in the West, I mean, people are acting like because there was more uncertainty, these teams are less prepared or something, but I really don't think that's the case. I don't. I did at first, and I think I might even have been vocal about it, but I don't think so anymore. And now who do I think is going to come out of there? On both sides, it's tough to pick. Now, a lot of people that listen to this, are Canadian hockey fans, and I got a lot of people listening that are either Leafs fans or Oilers fans, okay? Um, so, I'm guessing I got a lot of Winnipeg fans. They're just not as vocal. I'm guessing. Okay, so, in Winnipeg, I mean, anything can happen. So, I think any of these teams in the in the parity that we have now... Nothing surprises me, especially after Montreal went to the final. So can Winnipeg um, win it? Of course. But, I mean, I just see them as the least likely of the three Canadian teams, okay? Uh, Of the other two, Toronto and Edmonton, I do think Toronto are going to beat Tampa Bay. If they don't now... Now, I, I love the way Toronto players responded this year. I think Dubas, I, I don't really, I don't have an affinity for Kyle Dubas. At first, because of his love for analytics, I almost, what's the word? I never didn't like him, but I was turned off by his decisions and his swagger. He seemed to have this swagger, right? Uh, I'm an ex-player and you're not Kyle kind of thing, right? But. And I don't think he is. I think he's just an analytics guy. Um, but he, and a lot of people say that, but look at the moves that he's made, even the last couple of years. Now, it didn't work out. Who was it last year? Felino. But Felino got hurt, but you couldn't fault him. He brought him in. When I, you know, I see him, Shanahan, the whole team of them. Um, so, and this year again, without going through it all, all the moves that he made, I thought, like, I would have made them. And, I thought they were close to the best, like getting a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, you know, he was very sought after and and a very important player and to any team, but to the Maple Leafs, it's exactly what we all think as fans they needed. And all of us that were shitting all over Kyle Dubas and the Leafs are being too soft and this and that. Well, now they seem like prepared and they're prepared at a time when Tampa Bay is at their weakest. Not only is Tampa Bay not the team they were the last couple of years, but they, they lost some big-time pieces, and they got some injuries. And, like, one of the guys they picked up to replace, like, a guy like Palat. Like, you know, Tampa Bay always has those guys that are the third, fourth-line guys that you don't really, you know, last year, didn't Nick Paul get two goals in an elimination game? Guys like that. But this year, they had that ty- Tyler, uh, Janot, or Janot, yeah. And he got hurt, right? They picked him up to do that. And I thought it was a good pickup. And not only that, everybody else a little bit older. Vasilevsky didn't look this year like what he did in the past, although it's still Vasilevsky. I know that. 
they went on an eight-game losing streak close to the end of the year, which is on Tampa Bay Lake. I know that that's just once. It's a small little blemish. Every team goes through that. I'm just saying right now, at this particular time, Tampa Bay seem, if they ever were, riper for the picking against Toronto than ever, like I said. So I'm picking Toronto, and if Toronto can't beat them now, Right now, I think it's time to start going, okay, how can we deal our big assets and what do we get for them? And I'm not saying rebuild. Toronto, you'd never rebuild. But this is just, then it becomes just, it's it's something that's in your head. Like, you know, they've been, this is five, six years of this. They've lost, is it four or five game sevens in a row? The Leafs as a whole. Um, it seems like, I mean, they were up three games to one two years ago on Montreal and lost. Last year, up again on Tampa and lost. And you could always make the argument that they were young players, that they were con- And I do agree with that. I thought they were going to win last year. And you could almost chalk it up to luck as well. I mean, last year, they could have really gotten the job done. It's not like it went to game seven and they all shit the bed, right? They, they It was a fine effort. Um, but again, there's Vasilevsky. <laughs> um but I'm just saying that right now, and I got it. And Matthews, I know he missed a lot of time, but he seemed pumping towards the end of the year. He was hopping. And Ryan or, or Ryan O'Reilly, I think I said Reeves earlier. Uh, O'Reilly, you know, and people say he missed. If there is, or if there are negative comments and doubt surrounding his name going into these playoffs. Yes, he's older, he's weathered. He didn't have a great season in Tam- or in, in St. Louis before coming to Toronto, and then he missed all that time. But for me, a guy like that, missing time was just getting ready. To, it was the end of the season. Everything's sore. As a hockey player, ask anybody in any league with hitting, any pro league, really, and beyond that, and beyond that, really. There's a lot of junior leagues and college, whatever. There's leagues all over the earth that at the end of the fucking year, you're bruised up for sure. In most talk, you can say that about Bantam. But in the NHL, you're going that fast all year and you're you're a hitter and you're a shot blocker and everything else. There's no doubt that in January and February, you're you're feeling it. You're feeling it. You're at the very least got minor bruises all over your body and like little pulls and stuff like that. And so as a player that's aging, I don't think he's lost anything yet. But as you're aging, that happens, and that's a thing, like those little arthritic pains and everything. So, okay, hurt his fucking hand or whatever he did, broke his finger. But in the process of sitting out, I think he got a chance to rejuvenate himself. And Ryan O'Reilly said it himself the other day, steps up in the playoffs. So I think he will give them exactly, unless he gets hurt, give them exactly what they thought they were going to get. And uh, I have no reason to think that their best players – Matthews, Marner, Nylander. I mean, those guys were on fire this year. Tavares had a bad end, but a fucking on, on the year, I think he had more goals and assists than anybody thought he was going to get. Uh, you know, I hate to say it because I, 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 I uh, that Matthew Nyes, I can't say I wasn't a big fan. I can't say I was, I hate to say it, but I just thought there's no way that he's just going to enter and play in the playoffs with a team that's, you know, uh, got a chance to win the cup, and I don't think he's starting. But after I saw him, I think he wouldn't be, a, you know, they get a couple of injuries. Hey, why not? You know, get your feet wet. He's a pretty good player, i got to be honest. Um, now, again, Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay, can they win? Of course. I don't know. It's a flip of a coin, I guess, but I just think of all the years, if this is it, and if it doesn't now, Toronto are in a real mess, and they got to figure it out and change some stuff up. But I have confidence in them. Oilers, uh, I think the Oilers could win the cup. I do for the for the Leafs. I think I do think they're going to beat Tampa. Like I said, it's going to be real tough to get past that, right? And after that, it's Boston. I don't know. That's hard. I, I, I can I tell you, I want Toronto to do it. Of course, love to see him do it. But my heart tells me that let's just take it one step at a time. And I think if you're the Leafs, you got to look at it that way as well. If you're Leafs fans, I mean, of course the Leafs look at it that way. Um, but. You know, on the other side, I just see a team that's rolling that had an unbelievable second half. I think the best or close to in the league. And they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, they've got the best, you could argue, for two, if not one. 
you know, two of them are, let's say, the best five. Loosely, we can say that, right? But anybody in the game could make the argument that they're one and two, and they both play on the Oilers. And what happens? What happens to great players? They find a way to get it done. The last year they lost. I remember Sidney Crosby when he lost to Detroit, came back the next year, won. Every great player, I'm saying generational, at least gets to that final, usually wins one. The only one I can think of being this hype that didn't was Eric Lindros, but his career was cut short early, and he did, in a lockout year, 94, 95, uh, take the Philadelphia Flyers right to the final, and I think he was the league MVP, won the scoring. So to me, it's a huge fucking league, man. 30, 32 teams now. Uh, 30 then, I guess. Um, close to. Uh, you know, anybody can win. But if you're an absolute fucking stud, generational player, you should take your fucking team to the finals at some point. And I think this is their year to do that. I just, all these teams out there look good, right? Like, Winnipeg's going to have a hard time with Vegas. Vegas are great, but even Winnipeg, they're chippy. I I don't know what to think of them. I picked them to have a shit year, and they turned it on, and then they they crept in. I think there's, I don't know, often it seems like a, not an attitude thing, but I, I don't know. They're, they're either real good or real bad. I don't have the most confidence, but they could do it. They're chippy. They're scrappy. Uh, L.A., right? L.A. could beat Edmonton in the first round. I don't bet on it, but they could. They've got real good secondary uh, or second, third line centers that can skate with McDavid and and can shut him down. I mean, Deno last year did a phenomenal job for some of those games. When McDavid broke free and he scored, and I think that's what we remember. We remember Edmonton beating L.A. and McDavid with his arms in the air, but I remember some of those games. The, the Kings gave him all he could handle, and Dreisaitl as well, but he was playing on a bum ankle. But, you know, when you go down the list in, in the in the West, uh, Seattle aren't going to be easy, very team tough. But I just think all those teams are, like, solid, and they could upset, and they, they're good. They're real good above-average teams. Colorado, there you go. There you go, yeah, uh, Colorado. But, you know, fuck, I, I just, I don't know, I just got this feeling. Like like the like I what I just said about the leaps. It's the Oilers. I just feel it's their year to do it. I just feel it's something's going to happen. Something is going to happen for these generational players, and I think it's the Leafs' time to step past Tampa, and I think it's the Oilers' time to get to the Stanley Cup final. What happens from there, I don't know, but that's what my gut tells me. Every other series, it's a waste of fucking time. Me telling you because I have no fucking idea. I think they're all anything can happen. I love the NHL playoffs. I can't wait for tonight. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So, what are you waiting for? Download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. I've often said it, man. The NHL playoffs is, I think, the biggest change happens. The biggest metamorphosis from... 
you know, style of play and game, you know, plan of attack and game strategy and effort from the regular season of the NHL to the playoffs. And then you've got four rounds, not football. Football's a tough sport, but please stop fucking sending me a message saying it's tougher. Fucking 16 games a year, eight home games, eight away games, or now I guess 17. Is it games a year? One game added. Uh, playoffs, one game per, you could win four games, you win the fucking thing, right? And, you know, you get hit during the play. There's no fights. Yeah, there's hard hits. I know it. There's big guys. I know it. But four games. I'll take four games of fucking UFC in a Mexican fucking jail and fucking roll my dice on that. I mean, yeah, it's hard when you're doing it. I'm sure football, I know it. I'm a football fan. And I think the, the, the formula is great. I don't think players should in football have to play more than that. It makes sense. They, they've got it down. They make the most money of all the sports. They play the least games. Huge fandom. Um, Sunday or Monday, well, I guess there's Thursday and Friday now, but, you know, every Sunday for the most part, most of the teams are playing. It's marketed around that. There's tailgates. There's. I love the way it's marketed. I'm just saying, if you ask me about tough fucking players in sports, well, first of all, hockey is physical. Uh you can get hit six times on the one play. There's fights. There's no out of bounds in hockey. You might hit me, and then I hit the boards. You're getting hit twice. On, most of the time when you get hit, it's against the boards, so you're taking two impact. You're fighting. You're fucking cross-checking. You're playing seven or four rounds of seven games, possibly, at least four games. So you're playing over 20 games a maximum of fucking 28 of fucking blood, sweat, tears, playing with injuries, and every second fucking night. Not every fucking week. Every fucking second night. And the play from the... And you've, you're coming off 82 games, and you go right into it. Here we are that tonight now, game one. Right? Boys were playing three nights ago. Toronto played fucking Tampa four or five nights ago. It was nearly a fucking brawl. Guys fighting before they start the playoffs. Fighting. Beer knuckle fighting. Big time players that are important. Luke Shen, a Stanley Cup winner. Patrick Moon, a big fucking guy that's always a big part of the teams he plays on. Three times Stanley Cup winner. And they're fighting. And Corey Perry and Bunting, you know, guys that do that anyway. And if you ask me, Bunting doesn't drop his gloves enough, and that was barely a fight. But it was still a fucking fight. It was chippy. People blocking shots. And now you're going to go into the playoffs, and it's way more intense. And you, it's immediate. Not a week later, and you get a chance to rest everything and, you know, go through your routine. You're, you literally get a week to rehab. Now, again, I love the NFL. But don't fucking tell me that the playoffs are harder. Holy Jesus. I don't care what position you play. Fuck me. And if there was no, if there was no other difference with games played and everything else, of all things being relative, we have a fucking weapon in our hand. People don't think about that when you're out there. Look in front of the net. Even in this, yes, yes, even in today's game where everybody says, oh, it's a pussy's game. It's not. It's not. We still have this year people say, well, fighting's on the way out. Yeah, well, there was 291 fights. Really? Look at every other sport. And I'm not advocating for fights in every other sport. It probably shouldn't be. They go about it the wrong way. A fight in fucking any of the other sports is hair pulling. It's jumping. It's baseball. It's anybody. Sucker punches are okay. Bench is clear. And, that, and I think it should happen once in a while. You throw at my fucking head, I'm going to go at you too. But it turns into a gong show. But in hockey, everybody there knows what's going on. It's a one-on-one. -on -one, and if you go in and fucking jump somebody and make it a two-on-one, -on -one, it's a big-time penalty, and the players know that. And the players would reprimand their own player for that. Unlike the other sports, it's a shit show. Again, they don't have the history and culture for it, so I understand why it's a shit show, and I'm not advocating for it. But in hockey, right, people say, well, there's no fights in the playoffs anymore, or, 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 or you know, hockey changes. There's no fights in the playoffs 
I said, watch the, watch the NHL playoffs tonight. This is game one where the players are furthest away from the Stanley Cup, all of them, on every team. And there's going to be fucking spitting, hair pulling, uh, every scrums around the net. Yeah, not like it used to be. But again, a league this year that had almost 300 fights again. Right? Fighting's hardly gone. Playoffs, there's going to be a lot of a lot of dirt. And as soon, I'll tell you this, you wait in all of these playoffs game tonight, again, game one, because one of them is going to get out of hand, and that's when it gets real chippy. You'd think if it went by the other sports, when it's, when it's close, it's going to be the chippiest. Yeah, guys will be like blocking more shots and stuff. But wait till it's fucking three, four, five, nothing, six, one in one of these games. That's when you keep your fucking head up because it's a seven game series in football. The game gets out of hand. It's over. Right. The other sport, baseball, you can't really, you know, baseball's baseball. I love it. And I think their, their test of stamina is that they play 162 games. You know, I don't care if it's checkers. You got to show up and do that every time. And, and it's mentally, you know, inches, a game of inches. 300 hitter, the difference between a 200 hitter and a 300 hitter is one hit a week. It's a very big mental, you know, and you're going to make a sacrifice. You really got to have your body ready. I'm not saying baseball isn't tough in its own way. It's not hockey. Basketball, I think there's an argument that that's of the other sports. I mean, first of all, there's 82 games. Those guys are big. It, it's way harder under the rim. Go to a fucking game, even minor league basketball game. Sit fucking on the floor level or down behind the net and look what goes down under a rim. A lot of elbows in the face. A lot of physicality. Now, it's not hockey, but there's a lot of physicality. I'm just saying, for those that haven't really thought about it, it's uh, the NHL playoffs are a fucking grind. A fucking grind. As are the fucking Memorial Cup playoffs in junior the Calder Cup playoffs, whatever I can go, like the hockey playoffs. But you watch the NHL, the biggest, fastest, toughest fucking guys and most skilled out there. Even a guy that fucking doesn't come handy to fighting ever. Let's say, I don't know, let's say Patrick Kane, right? But he's still going out and putting, like... People say, well, he went through that. He didn't have to do it. No, the playoffs are just as fucking hard, man. He's a, he's a sought-after guy. He got three cups with Chicago. Again, there's lots of these players. I'm just using him as an example. Well, he, he had to play those playoff games. People are fucking hitting him. He's got to get hit, go to the hard areas. You don't score goals not doing that. Even the most finesse of players get into the NHL playoffs and get fucking tattooed all over the ice. People getting fucking maimed behind the net. And as soon as there's a pileup, you're fucking digging your fucking knuckles, your stick, your butt end, whatever into the other guy's chest, his fucking ribs, whatever you can do. Oops, fucking hit the goalie. Whatever you can do, however smart you can be about being a fucking scumbag, dirt, without getting suspended, that's going to happen. There's going to be guys dropping their gloves. There's going to be more physicality than you've seen in the regular season. Now, again, not always when it comes to dropping gloves, but definitely the hitting and scrapping and mauling. And it's a great time. Now, I'm not a new age fan. I'm more of a traditionalist. I do understand a lot of the changes. I'm not, you know, some fucking barbarian that says, you know, let's play 1975 hockey all the time. But what I'm saying is that a lot of people I'm talking to are like me. You like the fights and you like, and you do think that, you know, what are there six players left with no visor? I couldn't believe that when I saw the list the other day. A lot of things are changing, right? That's the player's options, whatever. Soon, everybody will have. Sometimes, sometimes soon, people might be wearing cages, right? There's less fights, yes, than there used to be. But we still have the toughest motherfucking sport out there. Hockey is still hockey. There's still hitting. There's still fighting. There's still chirping. There's still a lot of blood. There's more blood in our sport and probably more sweat than any other sport, no matter what. Every year goes by, someone like me says, you know, it was better in the 90s, it was better in the 80s. A lot of ways it was, but we still have the fucking toughest sport on the planet. 
Name me something else that you can go out. I always found it great, you know, like in any situation. And I'm not a violent guy off the ice. I was, I, I, I hated bullies in school. I got in a lot of fights growing up, a lot of fist fights. But that was kind of the culture I grew up at in, with, in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. There's a lot of people that did that. There was a lot of fights. Usually no grudges held either. Um, but I, I, I also skipped a grade and I was big for my age. So, you know, a lot of people in my grade, especially ones that failed a grade, they were two and three years older than me, like to pick on me. So that happened. I don't know. I think, I think maybe going through that helped me be a good teammate, maybe. But what I'm saying is that I'm not saying it from the point of view that I just ever want to go out there and drop my gloves and fucking kill somebody. Right. Uh, or, or, or when I'm off the ice, I'm in the bar. I'm not one of those guys that has a shot of rum and thinks I'm the toughest. I know that fighting in a bar is stupid. Uh, I often lose my temper, but it's not ever. I, I I would never raise my hand to somebody publicly, like Conor fucking McGregor, some shit punching out an old man at the bar. I, I'm just I'm just not built like that. But when I go out there, and I know that if someone pisses me off, and I have boards around me and my skates on, I can beat the fucking shit out of him, and go to the penalty box for five minutes, and it's all good. If I did that anywhere else, I'm getting arrested. I'll probably, I, I could have, a, at the very least, a fine and serve jail time. But now you want to run your mouth, motherfucker? That's what I love about the sport. It keeps you honest, man. Right? When you put on those skates and you put on that jersey and you've got your uniform and you go out onto that ice, there's so much that goes through you. It, it, being a player and having pride in whatever team it is you're playing for. Uh, and... You know, and I'm talking all hockey here, not just NHL playoffs. It's magnified to starting tonight because of that, and we're all going to watch it on TV. But, you know, you're a hockey player, and you go out in most leagues as an adult. You put on those skates and jersey and everything. You get out there as a pro, I guess, and it changes. And you know that now I'm out here doing this, and everything is changes. I if I was at a stoplight and a guy was getting on like a fucking fool and I was walking across the street and I fucking gave him a cross check in the ribs, what the fuck is that, right? But I can go out there and do that. I can spray the goalie and I know people are going to come in and I can bat you in the fucking head. I can cross check you in the fucking kidneys. What's that? Two minutes for roughing or two minutes for cross checking. And I can go sit for two minutes and get out and everything's cool. In real life, I'd have to pay a fucking fine. I'd have to go to court. But in hockey and in all the other sports, I might have to do that. But in hockey, what's the worst that can happen? The guy drops his gloves and you bare knuckle fight him. Bare knuckles. And you beat him in the face. And if you break his orbital bone, which is possible, it's no worse of a penalty. Because he agreed to drop his gloves with you. And it's understood. And I can fucking break your nose if you hit our goalie. And I know that you know I can do it. And that's what makes the playoffs so fucking engaging. And people like Ryan Riley stepping up. And that's why tonight, all over Canada and all over the world, we're going to watch the NHL playoffs. And you fucking tell me if I'm wrong. It's not by far the toughest fucking sport. Still way tougher than anything else out there comparable. Of course, I'm going to get messages about this. You know, Aussie rules football and I don't know beer knuckle polo fighting or fucking lawn bowling with a knife. I know there are sports out there that might crop up and there are that are on other parts of the world saying over here in our major sports system that we have. And I guess if you were to pick four being, you know, I'd be, they often say the four major sports in North America. Now, I mean team sports because there's NASCAR, there's golf and everything, and there's all kinds of athletics. We're not really going to count those, are we, as the toughest sports? Uh, and I'm not, I'm omitting UFC with the obvious point is the fight. But even then, even then, I'm serious. I'm fucking serious. Now, I did, you're going to see it. I did a UFC hockey version. It was real tough, though, man. Four rounds of a minute. It's going to be released soon. In October, I'm not saying that was easy, and I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm saying that being a UFC fighter is very, very difficult, and it's hard on the body, and you need months to recover. But I'm telling you right now that I would rather do that. If it was just about physicality, I would way rather do that. 
go out there for fucking a UFC fight and then take five months off or whatever it is. And again, a lot of them don't, especially the amateurs coming up. I'm not taking away from how tough it is, but people don't realize, and it's a different level. I get it. I respect them all. Now I'm going to get more DMs, but it's just, you know, or like of all the sports, it combines all of it, man. Like hockey combines UFC and boxing with soccer, with uh, basketball, with with the idea of all that. And, you know, by that I'm saying, you know, what's basketball? Five on five, you're shooting at a net, right? Uh, what's soccer? Well, it's a field where the point is to get the ball, you know, pass the defense into the goal. Uh, so I'm saying there's similarities. And then fighting, obviously, there's fighting and UFC or boxing. And hockey combines all of it. And at any point, I might... You know, a guy like Evander Kane might make a fucking sweet toe drag on skates and pirouette around a hulking defenseman and make such a finesse move, score a goal, and right after it, drop his gloves and beat someone with his fist across the face. And he gets five minutes for fighting. And an NHL goal. <laughs> I love it. Um, anyway... So that was two observations I think I made. And we've gone on and on, off the rails. So you need three more. Uh, these got to be quick because I had to get the fuck out of here. Um, I'm switching hotels today. I'm not going to be stupid enough to say where I'm going, but uh, I'm in Sudbury. And um, yeah, for a few reasons, I'm switching hotels. So I got to get my stuff downstairs. And I got to meet R.A., R.A., the rear admiral from... Uh, Chicklets is in. There's my third thing. Uh, R.A., those who listen to this show and watch Shorzy, most of you know who uh, R.A. is from Spitting Chicklets. Well, he does a little part in Shorzy as well, so he's in uh, today and he leaves tomorrow. So I'm going to meet R.A. for a bite to eat. We drove up here yesterday. I went to the Jays game, picked him up at the airport, and we drove up here. And uh, for those that follow even loosely spitting chicklets, you got to, I mean, they had the FDMY, they had the cops play, the New York cops play the New York firefighters. And uh, in a game in front of 18,000 people on Long Island, it was packed. There was full-on fights. And, you know, this thing, this game has gone on for a while. I've never really, I don't think, talked about it, but I was explaining this to my friend at the game, and he couldn't believe it. And I, I'm saying just tune into Spittin' Chicklets or just go to YouTube now and type in the uh, the New York cops versus New York firefighters. And NYFD, NYPD, annual hockey game. And there's a lot on the line, man. They have a cup and everything, but it's it's I think a lot of people when I when I was telling them the story, they think I was telling the story at the Jays game, like to a bunch of people that like weren't even big hockey fans, but they couldn't believe that this went on. And uh anyway. Yeah, uh what was I saying? What the fuck was I talking about? It's beyond it's beyond like a a, a charity game, a little bit of fun for the fan. Like I've played those NHL alumni games, well quite a quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, a lot of people I'm talking to here have, have gone and watched them, but this is not that at all. This is like bare-knuckle fighting, real, real physical stuff. And there's some decent players. I mean, it's worth the watch. It really is worth the watch. And when I heard Chicklets were doing it this year and Biz and Wit commentating, and they were actually pretty good, uh, I figured I'd give it a watch, and it didn't disappoint. Highly, highly recommend that. The fourth thing I'll talk about, okay, um, ugh, this is going to might be too specific, but uh, when I was in playing in Tri-City in the early to mid-90s, um, like I've often said on here, the, the grunge movement was happening. So Nirvana, Earl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, just a few bands that were uh, big at the time in Seattle, and, and a lot of people were moving there uh, to record because of that. It was kind of like a version of London in the 60s. I mean, the Beatles are from Liverpool, right? A lot of those bands aren't actually from London. I like, you know, I don't know Eric Clapton and David Bowie, Stones, the Beatles. They all descended upon London because it's London. And uh, 
you know, that's kind of where the British invasion sound came from, really. There's exceptions, but, you know, it came from, for the most part, London in the 60s. Um, well, the Seattle was very much like that, in that I remember during that time, like Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, I believe, went there to record in, you know, their country. And Seattle's the furthest thing from that, but uh, music-wise, I mean, uh, but that's it. It was like the center of the universe. I remember... Uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. You know that song? I like big butts and I cannot lie, right? Um, he's from Tacoma, which is a suburb of Seattle. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. I'm sure that that had something to do. Like the world, you know, the world music sound was coming out of there. So it seemed like like we would go up from Tri-City to Seattle and it, it just, there was so much happening out of Seattle. So two artists that I'd never heard before that ended up, I ended up, I still listen to, that I loved. I walked into a bar one day, and I think I've talked about this on here. Mazzy Star was playing. It was Fade Into You was the song. They happened to be, I say she, but that was the band. Her name is Hope Sandoval. And the band is called Mazzy Star. Most people probably know what I'm talking about. If not, give that a listen. It's really tranquil. It's mood. It's like dreamy music. It did burn off a new, another few bands that have the same sound. There's one now that just came out, and it's almost like Mazzy Star reincarnated. I, you have to do a deep dive because I forget. Um, got them on my my Spotify. I don't have time right now. Uh, anyway, it's a real, real cool, dreamy sound. And uh, sure enough, and I, I I was with a few of the guys. We walked into this bar. I bought a bunch of CDs. I sent them home. I even remember calling my dad, and mom. Now, dad was big on the music scene. Collects a lot of. I mean, we have thousands of vinyl, right? He always collected so. I remember it was that impressive that I phoned him and said, you know, if you can go check out, get a, get a Mazzy Star CD. It wasn't like it is now, right? I couldn't just say go online. The internet was, internet was just starting, but there was nothing like that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, uh, I bought a bunch of CDs. I sent them home. Uh, and a, maybe a year or two later, and this is on YouTube, but I remember being there in, in my buddy's place and it was maybe my, now my third year in Tri-Cities and uh, or fourth, really. It was there in 15. And uh, Mazzy Star came out on Conan O'Brien. I was like, oh, okay. And Conan O'Brien, for those that don't know, because I think that's, I mean, he still has a podcast, but he's off the air. But he used to be a late night show. Wasn't quite as popular as David Letterman or Jay Leno, but it was a platform. And sure enough, that song, it was featured in a few movie soundtracks. I think that song, I saw Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift did it one night at uh, one of these concert festivals. So I'm sure the song ended up with a decent following. Anyway, that was Mazzy Star. But uh, also, there was a guy playing, and he's, he had great stuff. And uh, Pete Droge was his name. And yeah, the, the name of the album was Necktie Second. But I didn't ever hear of it before, I, and it was the same thing. We were just walking up a hill in Seattle. It was a small place. It was a small bar. And he got up and he played, and, he, and one of the songs was, If You Don't Love Me, I'll Kill Myself. It sounds rather morbid, but it's a great song. I love it. It's still one of my favorite songs of the era, and it ended up being in the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. A lot of you have seen Dumb and Dumber, and it only plays for a snippet, but it's on the soundtrack. So Pete Droge... Never really did become the huge musician I thought he would, but that song at least had some level of fame. And when you look at Spotify now, they, like it's got you know millions of listens. So people, I'm glad he made a little bit of money at it. But um, now he's been in a band I didn't realize for like 20 years called The Thorns, and Matthew Good is in the band. And uh, oh god, who is it? I gotta look at The Thorns. I looked this up because I didn't realize. I was wondering what happened to him. Thorns. Um, and it turns out that he's been in this band. I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Matthew Sweet. Sorry, Sean Mullins and Pete Droge. And so the Matthew Sweet and, and, and Sean Mullins are quite a bit more famous than Pete Droge, but not more accomplished. Droge has a lot of great albums. Um, my favorite is Necktie Second. Anyway, so I have a notification on my phone whenever my favorite artists come out with something new. So it came up, Pete Droge. I said, wow, after all this time, I'm going to hear something new by Pete Droge, the, the artist himself. 
and it's awesome. It's called Only Have Eyes. Um, I it's probably not for everybody. It really catches my ear, and it's it's a little. What's the word? It's a little more poppy than his 90s stuff. But I think it's a great sound. And who knows? There might be, if there's even a few of you out there that know that song and like it and, uh, you know, you want to hear a little bit more, Only Have Eyes. It's the single off his new album. It's You go to YouTube and it has like 200 listens. Like, So I'm sure it's not tearing up the charts. But it's good enough, too. It's just that stuff like that doesn't tear up the charts anymore. But good luck to Pete Droge. I followed his career, and I love his music. Singer, songwriter, and there's not enough of those guys left. Check it out. Only have eyes. And finally, one more thing to talk about. What should I talk about? And it just popped into my head as I made a post before this. I'm in my Instagram story. Yesterday, so... I went. I went down to Toronto to go go to the ball game on uh, Saturday at three. So I went to the game. I uh, had a few beers that night. Saw some friends. It was a good time, and uh, I love walking around Toronto, hitting bars uh, in the Queen Street West. I ended up on College Street. Met uh, Devin Cuddy, another good artist, Jim's son, but a really great artist in his own right my favorite is by devin the devin cuddy band is afghanistan check it out anyway walked around i really enjoy the vibe in toronto smoke half a joint have a beer here and there and just walk around with my headphones and enjoy and uh i wasn't really planning on going to the game on sunday but i ra said hey i'm flying in to toronto on at five o'clock and then i'm getting a ride up to sudbury I was going to go back Monday, which being today. But I said, okay, I'll head back with you, R.A. You're only there for a night. I'd love to see you. For, so, so I said, I got some time to kill. And I was down at Union Station in Toronto, and it's right next to Rogers Center. And the Jays had a game at one. So I was like, perfect. I'll go to half the Jays game. Um, ended up leaving in like the eighth, so saw most of it. And it was sold. I was packed. So it was, I knew that would be the case. I got one of the last seats up as far as you could get. I was three rows from the very, very top of the building. And it was honestly just about sold out. Great atmosphere. And right next to me is Craig Mills and his sons. Uh, his sons, Jed and Boone. Great kids, um, sports fans, um, you know, hockey players, just just good kids. And uh, I'd met their brother, Knox. I forgot Mills even had, uh, you know, years ago when I was here. Same thing. I ran into some of Millsy's friends and we we ate at a, in a we had a barbecue in, in Greek town. It was a nice time, but I hadn't really seen him since. Uh, oh, we kept in touch online. But uh, anyway, and I didn't know he was going to be at the game. I just went in and he was the same thing. He said I was sitting out there with Jed and Boone before the game and figured why not go see a major league game. It's a great deal, too. I recommend it to anybody. $23 to sit in the 500s, man. I'm like, I got a few hours to kill. Why not, right, sit in the fucking sun, dome open at a Toronto Blue Jays game, a great vibe, um, you know, with new, uh, the new digs, the new renos. It was a great time. But I really didn't expect to see one of my real good, one of my long-lasting hockey friends, Craig Mills. And uh, Millsy, for those that don't know, um, played with my buddy Danny Cleary, and they were they ripped it up in junior. They were known as the Fireman Line. It was two of those guys, and it was Brian Secord. And uh, so I've no, and and they came to visit Danny a, a couple of times, but for one full summer, Craig did a uh, yeah. I, I guess I forget what it was, but it was a it was work. He worked with youth. Maybe I'll ask him about it when I have him on the podcast here uh, again soon. Uh, it was, it was something, but anyway, he, he came over and we played ball hockey uh, for the summer and we had beers and I've really, I've really known him well since then. And anyway, he ended up playing on the St. John's Maple Leafs. So a lot of people that listen to this, listen to the, Le uh, or watch the Leafs, you know, one, I believe, Oh, two, Oh, three, Oh, four around that time. Millsy played on the Leafs. Of course, he did play in Chicago. He had a cup of coffee three times. Uh, here, I'll look it up. I'll look it up now, Craig Mills. 
yeah, Winnipeg Jets, four games, Chicago Blackhawks, 20 games in 97, 98, seven games in 98, 99. So he got his 31 games in the show. Played all over the world, Russia, France, uh, Belleville in junior. I thought he got traded in all three big-time years in Belleville. Um, the best year being 62 games, 80 points, 94, 95. Yeah, I remember that, you know. It's really bringing back memories. But anyway, Millsy, two-way player, go to war for you uh, and fight. But I, I wouldn't say, like, there's guys from that era that that fought that you know you really respect them for fighting because they weren't goons. They, they they showed up because they were hockey players. You know, and if they had to, they'd fight you. And Millsy was like that. He wasn't He wasn't going into the game thinking, you know, who am I going to grab tonight? But if he looked down the you know, the, the, the bench, and he saw that maybe we're, we don't have as much toughness as the other team tonight. Millsy was the kind of guy that would go out there and do, he was a professional. He'd do his job, right? He'd do his job. And he cared about his teammates and, you know, shot block. If uh, Millsy is on the power play, he's not going to embarrass you. He might score a point. But my memory of Millsy is just a real good two-way player that is versatile. He could play on the first line or he could play on the fourth line. And he'll give you what you need, you know. So, uh, and guys like that are usually, you know, the kind of guys that you really respect out there. And he became a good friend because I saw him. I didn't play with him, you know, wasn't his teammate, but I respected him as a teammate because I saw a lot in Millsy what I, what I try to bring out as a, as a athlete in myself, you know. And uh, in my mind, you can't have, you can never have too many Craig Millses on any team. Those are the kind of guys that help you win. And, uh, you know, Millsy was world junior. Canada won and uh, won a couple of years in the minors. And, uh, you know, it was no fluke that he got to the NHL uh, because he was one of the best players in the world and uh, had a great attitude. And I know a lot of people listening to this are young pro players. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm in the business of giving advice. But you got the tools that you got, right? But guys like me and Millsy, we got the NHL games we did. Again, I wish it lasted longer. Millsy, I'm sure, planned on having longer than a 27-game stint in the NHL. I, I'm not trying to – it's a great thing because, you know, less than 0.1% of one gets there. So – just like me. I mean, I thought I'd play way more than I did. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right? Like, I thought I'd play as a first-round pick. Right? So, but before those things are to be judged on their own, what I'm saying is that I know that I got the games I did now as time as time passes. I look back and I'm like, well, thank fuck I got there at all. Because I can say I played in the NHL. Right? So, and I mean, I got there at a time. It was with the Montreal Canadiens. I, I played with Saku Koivu. You know, I got a fight with Matthew Barnaby, Bobby Bugner, Ty Domi three times. Like, I have things to connect me with that. And I really am, for a while, as as you guys know, I was upset about not playing longer. But I really do now relish that. And I know it wouldn't have happened if I didn't early on make a decision to be a teammate and try to be like Craig Mills. I, I really, I was a better scorer than Millsy. But I think he was a better two-way player. I do. First of all, he played center more than I did. Um, you know, wing, you can, in my mind, if you really want to dedicate to playing defense as a winger, you you can pretty much do an immaculate job. I mean, of course, there's nuances in the game, but your job is to cover the point guy, which is not always easy, but it's easier than being a centerman. I'm telling you that. I've played both quite frequently. And, uh, you know, yeah, it, it just ain't easy out there as uh Center, especially if you're playing against uh, some speedy, talented lines. Anyway, I'm rambling too much. I just mean for anybody listening that has any goal of maybe playing there sometime, it's just, you know, you're given certain things. And it's funny because anybody can go out there and work hard and try. And anybody can go out there and grab somebody. And anybody can go out there and, you know, really give 110% and block shots and everything. Those are the things that put put you over the top. Yet not everybody does and not but not everybody has the talent to go in and score on Carey Price on a breakaway. 
Not everybody has the talent to make a saucer pass on a two-on-one to Alex Kerfoot. Not everybody, you know, or whoever it might be, right? But yet the things that a lot of players miss, anybody can do. I remember looking at players. I won't put them down and go, Jesus Christ, like all you got to do is give a fuck. And once you give a fuck a little bit about everybody else around you, you're going to be in the NHL. You have to be in the NHL. You're fucking a magician, right? And I'd look at it and go, fuck, even there, like I'm not putting myself down. I had 50 in my draft year, man. It wasn't easy. But if I didn't go to the net, like if I just relied on being my same self that I grew up as being this childhood hockey prodigy, it never would have worked. At least half of those goals, I'm telling you, were just because I went to the net and the puck dropped in front of the goalie and I was willing to take a Wade Belak cross check in the neck as I put it in the net. Right? And and, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm not trying to say that that's all that can get you there. I had a good toolbox going in. But I know it. I know it because I went through spurts. And every time I was in a slump or the first starting of junior and the starting of the Western League, it took me a while. It's because I wasn't doing that. And it's just effort. And it's and it's contagious. And once you start blocking shots for your teammates and fighting for them and everything, then the points come, right? Because your teammates think care more about you, your, your coaches, you're out there in different situations, and it becomes this flow, this... Uh, you know, this energy. People ask me my religion. That's my religion. The energy that I can find out there as a hockey player to put me in the zone. That energy I can find as a human off the ice. You're always looking for that. It's all mental, right? It's all parts of your brain clicking and putting you somewhere. And, and, and you know, anyway, anyway, anybody can, can, can do a lot of the things that keeps people out of the NHL. So, you know, if you're out there and you're a pro and you're thinking, I'm going to play one more year in the coast or the AHL and see what happens, go out there and give a fuck like you never did. And uh, you never know what might happen. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to 158 of Tales with TR. If you're downtown St. John's this weekend, why not go for a beer to Trinity Pub? Why not TJ's, Rob Roy Confusion, Greensleeves Pub, Martini Bar, The Bull and Barrel? Of course, if you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not do it at Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe? Strength and balance for body and mind? Look no further than power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. I swear by it. Ryan Power, power conditioning. He changed my life, and he can change yours, too. Mr. Lube with two locations in St. John's, Newfoundland, Torbay Road, and Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Pain, Pitbull Pain Relief. Pain sticks that won't quit. Check it out. I love them. Pitbullpainrelief.com. And of course, true hockey. Take what's yours. Thanks to True. Uh, they loaded me up. Teddy Hitchcock's going to be using uh, True Sticks in season two. And I fucking love them. They are literally the best sticks I've ever used. And um, thanks a lot to True for, uh, for hooking me up. This has been 150A, 150B in just a couple of days with uh, another great guest, likely, likely from the Shorzy family, but uh, we'll see. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll catch you on The Rebound.